it was like bad weather to the point that I couldn't even lime, and I think that's where I draw the line okay. in my life. When you stop being able to lime, then you know that these are these bad. are the, these are the things that keep me up at night. <laughs> the trying times for man. Uh, they are. It's you know tough times here in Bloomington. Anyway. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Indiana Basketball Podcast presented by TIS. I'm Ben Portnoy alongside Cameron Drummond and Murphy Wheeler. Guys, it's November. And it stopped raining, finally. Finally. It's, it's been a terrible week. For yesterday was awful. Too. It rained the entire... I don't think I got... I got it out of my bed literally once rained yesterday. the entire day. We're recording this on a Friday. I got out of my bed once yesterday and it was to cover the Indiana, Southern Indiana exhibition. The only time I left my bed. Yeah, it was really just awful that's, weather. That's kind of sad, actually. <laughs> it was like bad weather to the point that I couldn't even lime, and I think that's where I draw the Ooh, line okay. in my life. When you stop being able to lime, then you know that these are, are these bad. are the, these are the things that keep me up at night. The trying times <laughs> for man. Uh, they are. It's you know tough times here in Bloomington. Anyway, uh, <laughs> last night Indiana played a basketball game they against did. a team that wasn't themselves. Um, <laughs> gentlemen, you were there. Uh, Cam, you want to kick it off? What do, what did we have? Yeah, so Indiana, Southern Indiana, the lone exhibition game of the season for the Hoosiers took place last night in Simon Scott Assembly Hall. Decent enough crowd considering, you know, it was a rainy night. It was like a Thursday night, so school night, all those kinds of And that of it was stuff. an exhibition game. It was a decent crowd. It really was a pretty good crowd, right. actually. Students actually yeah. had a really nice turnout. I mean, yeah. I guess you kind of expect that for, you know, the freshmen really excited to go see their first game. Real excited to see the Romeo. freshmen on the court for the Hoosiers as well. IU put up a lot of points, a 96-62 to 62 win, and IU managed to do that without shooting the ball super effectively. They had some struggles for the first two or three minutes of the game to get anything going, had a pretty poor first half in terms of shooting the ball from downtown. I think they were one of seven from three-point land in the first 20 minutes, but then they really picked it up in the second half, although the trade-off is that when IU's offense really started to expand in the second half when they started to play a bit more in transition and started to hit a couple more three-pointers, IU's defense really <laughs> sagged off too because the Hoosiers limited the Screaming Eagles to like 20 5% shooting in the first half, but then Southern Indiana came back in the second half with a shooting performance of better than 50%. So kind of as Archie Miller said in his post-game press conference, um, a bit of good, a bit of bad, some good things, some bad things to review on the tape. Uh, personally, I thought the play of the guards was phenomenal. I thought Rob yeah. Finnessy, Romeo Langford were the two standout guys from the game. Not only in terms of the way they're able to kind of command IU's half-court offense being that that there was that was their first public college game, but also just the fact that both of them seemed really active on defense, eager to go up, get rebounds. I think Langford had four steals, including a really nice steal and breakaway dunk. So that was just kind of my perspective on those two guys were maybe the headline makers from last night's game. Right, yeah. I mean, they won 96-62, to so I mean, it looks like they absolutely killed them. And by the end of the game, they did. You know, they started to pull away, which was expected. I mean, that's just the talent gap between... Right, exactly. Indiana and a, even if even though a good D two school. That's what I was about D2 to say. School. This was a better win. I have I wrote an entire column about this. You can take a look at it at idsnews.com. Exactly. Hashtag plug. And uh, I mean, I wrote an entire column about how this game was a little bit more impressive than a lot of people would think, and a little bit more impressive than a lot of exhibition games usually are, because this is a really good Division two school that they played. I mean, and I think they're better than Chicago State will be. I think they're just as good as Montana State will be. So, I mean, that's I mean that's a pretty good primer for the beginning of the season. I really think that was – I thought there were more positives than negatives. I thought there were actually a lot more positives. And you're right, the guard play was very good. I was very impressed with Rob Fennessy. I thought um, – I, I, you know, I didn't really think he was going to be that um, ready to go offensively. You know that developed already, but he has really nice body control around the rim. He really he's got really good concentration when he drives in there, and he had some really nice finishes. Um, and then Langford surprised me. 
I mean, we kind of know what kind of offensive player he is, but he surprised me how good of a defensive player well, he is. Well, I think part of that, too, is he had a not good offensive night. He was 4 of two, 12 from the field. He had a fine three pointers. Night. was pretty decent from the line, but he had some shooting issues a he little still bit. still ended up with 13 points. Right, <laughs> right that's but the I thing. Think, An think, off night, he can still score 13. And I think, but I think that's why his defense kind of popped out to – like people well, more than it otherwise would have. He had four steals. He created a lot of offense from his defense, a lot of transition, you know, buckets. And to be honest, he's got really quick hands defensively. He's got really good awareness. He's long, too. He's long. I mean, I think he he really surprised me, and I think that's something. You know, I was talking to uh, Ben Ladner, actually, during the game from a – is it from Assembly Call? Inside the Hall. Inside Yikes. The hall. It's from Inside the Hall. Preseason mode Murphy Wheeler. And um, we were talking, and he said, you know – I think his defense throws a lot of people off because that's something he never really had to do in high school that much. He kind of just got to do whatever he really wanted. He was, you know, obviously the biggest offensive focal point on any team he's ever going to be on. And, you know, that just wasn't really his number one focus. And now he he has to play defense. He has to do that. And he showed that he can last night. So I think more than anything, the defense all around, but Romeo in particular, was a huge positive for this team after last night. Yeah, you guys mentioned the defense of Romeo. I mean, I think to some degree you kind of – it gets lost in the shuffle a little bit, obviously, because like you guys said, we know what kind of offensive player he is capable of being. But at the same time, he's 6'6", 215. I mean, he's a long physical guy, and especially at the two-guard spot, right. like he's going to be bigger than probably three-quarters of the people or more that he gar- ends up guarding playing one-on-one defense again. So I think that helps to some degree. Well, I think another encouraging thing about his performance on defense is just only one other Hoosier had more defensive rebounds than him. Langford finished the game with four defensive rebounds. The only one who had five was Zach McRoberts, and you know Zach right. McRoberts is going to be in there banging for the balls and stuff. So I think it was just encouraging, especially to see just the buy-in from Romeo in terms of on defense getting involved in like you know the area immediately around the basket looking for putbacks. Because he had a couple offensive rebounds, too, in which he tried to you know, put the ball back in the basket, but just fell a bit short. And I'm glad you brought up McRoberts because I absolutely love watching that guy. We talk about defense. I absolutely love watching McRoberts on defense. And I tell you what, him and Jawan, watching him and Jawan Morgan kind of just switch on screens and kind of help each other and kind of hedge and all this kind of stuff. That is, such, they have got that down to a science, and it's really good that you have seniors that can do that sort of thing because they're kind of leading by example at that point. And I think they, I mean, those guys, they've got it down. They've got it down pat, and it's very impressive to watch. And that's that's something that's underrated in Jawan Morgan's game, actually. Um, I think he does a really good job guarding around the perimeter, and I think he's a very smart defender, just like McRoberts is. Um, so I, I think defensively. This team is looking really good, and they already look like they're in midseason form defensively. Now, offensively, not so much, and I thought they looked fine. They looked good at times in transition. I think you can definitely tell that's what they like to do, especially these young guys, Romeo, Fennessey, those kind of guys. But um, the half-court offense really kind of stalled out sometimes. I don't know if I don't know if you thought the same thing, but I definitely thought it did. I, I think that's part of what will happen in these early games, though. You know, it's um, yeah, after the it, game. It's, it's Archie was talking about trying to find offensive identity. I think that feeds right into it, right? And there's that, and Archie even talked about it at availability earlier in the week. He said, you know, <laughs> I'm not pleased basically with where this offense is right now, and I think that's kind of to be expected. Indiana is a going to be generally under Archie Miller, a defensive-minded team. That's the kind of coach that Archie is. He coaches defense. He's not an offensive guy. And, you know, I don't know whether Crean constitutes an offensive guy because that offense was a disaster. But I won't get right. on that rant. Um, but, no, seriously, um, I, th- I think this was a – it was an encouraging performance in the sense that the defense was there when it needed to be. 
The offense was there when it needed to be. Yes, it's Southern Indiana, but like you guys said, this is a better team than people realize. I mean, Alex Stein's a preseason All-American for Division Two. He, he could hit Col- some shots. Yeah, I mean, Colby, uh, Colby Caldwell's a Utah transfer who had I'll 11 points you. last night. I mean, this is a team that it's not. <laughs> It's not a Power 5 team, but at the same time, this is a decent test for Indiana, for what it's worth anyway. Um, but I think that that jumps into kind of you know looking forward. Obviously, Chicago State uh, coming up. I mean, is there anything that I guess you guys are looking for in that game? To, I, I mean, I, it's, another, it's another kind of mediocre early season the, game. I don't know. I mean, is there anything you take? For, they're going to play the worst Division One team in the country. Uh, they're very close couple, to being There's the, a couple the of worst ones. They're definitely playing the worst – Midwestern Division One team? Do you want to call Chicago State Midwestern? I mean, they're just bad. Like, okay, yeah. if they're not the worst, they're one of the five worst. You I always know what find I mean? myself rooting for them though. When I'm like flipping through ESPN NCAA box scores at the end of the day, I always root for the Chicago State Wolves. I don't know. What I think their they're the mascot wolves. is. I hope they're the wolves. Southern Indiana is better than them, so I think we'll learn less from that game than we did from this exhibition game. Chicago State's ranked 338 in the RPI out of 351 Division One teams. See, that's higher than Wait, I thought. That was last year. Give me a couple teams that were worse than them last year. Uh, teams that were worse: uh, Delaware State, yep, the Hornets, mm. Incarnate Word. Uh, yep, oh, that's Texas. That's yep, San Antonio. That's Incarnate area. Word was uh, in the hunt to get Tim Priller, actually. Really? Yeah, they mm. recruited him hard. Huge. Uh, Howard, uh, who Indiana played last yep. year. Uh, Bryant in the NEC. Coppin State. Mm. Alcorn State. Pride mm. of Alabama. Yeah. Mm. I think Indiana played them, what, two years ago? Yeah, I do believe that. that uh, Houston Baptist. Who oh, I, we yeah. talked about Houston Baptist and Murphy's column last night. Great basketball. Great, great baseball program. The perennial cup. No, that's Dallas Baptist. I'm yep. sorry. Uh, but, yeah, anyway, Alabama so, A&M, Mississippi Valley State. Yeah, some good had, ones. Had to get MV, MVSU in there. Uh, they have, I think I said yeah. them in the column, too, Yeah, we actually. talked about Murphy's column, if you haven't read it, is basically talking about the idea of cupcakes. Now Southern Indiana's better than a know, lot the, of those teams. the normal cupcake. And the go-to options were Mississippi Valley State. And Houston Howard, Baptist. Houston <laughs> Baptist there, there have been some doozies in our, in our time here. Um, but, anyway, I mean, let's, uh, let's just look at – Overall, I mean, we talked a little bit overall impressions. We talked about Rob Finnessy. Um, I want to talk a little bit about him. With him, obviously, Devontae Green's dealing with a nagging injury. I don't want to jump to conclusions after one game, but he didn't I, play in the exhibition, obviously. And also, right. I don't think played in the Loyalist. Didn't scrimmage. play in the Loyalist scrimmage. So I, I guess just my question would be do you guys feel like it's. Not safe to assume, but rather, I guess it's a fair argument to say that this could be Rob Fennessy's starting point guard job by the end of the season. And Absolutely. I don't, and I don't mean, I don't mean to like jump super far forward, right. but no. I think that like Archie Miller's talked about how sort of surprised they were, how college ready he was. They didn't necessarily expect that. They expected him to play maybe more of a backup role. But I mean, do you guys feel like it's fair to say that this 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 could become kind of a a running thing between he and Devontae Green, who Absolutely. gets to start throughout the season? I think so. I, I mean, I think. Fantasy, I mean, showed what he can do last night. Now, yes, again, we have to see him against a better opponent, but sure. he he is obviously ready to go uh, at the collegiate level, and that was a little surprising just how you know mature he is already, um, and he's very composed. I mean, oh, yeah. really, he does not get flustered a lot. And I tell you what, when Al Durham came in for him, and a few times in the first half of that game, he didn't play in the second half. He had a little bit of an injury himself, I believe. Yeah, kind of you know, went back to the locker room during the first half, didn't participate in warm-ups at halftime because obviously right. you're not going to push a guy against the Screaming Eagles. When those two were on the floor and they split time at the point guard position, Fennessey looked like the guy that has had a year of experience already. Well, I was about to say this. So we're talking about the idea of, so Devontae Green's hurt right now. Can Rob Fennessey kind of supplant him in the 
the starting guard role. He probably he, should. By the end of the season, can he take it over? I don't think it's as important for Finnessy to distance himself from Devontae Green as it is for him to distance himself from Al Durham. I don't know about that. Again, I, I, think, I think Durham still has a ways to go. Durham's going to be a two-guard. I don't see Durham as a primary ball handler, handler this year. I just think it's a lot easier for Finnessy to go out there, show what he can do, and you can easily make the assertion, okay, I want that over Devontae Green. Because I think the inconsistency of Devontae Green from last season is still so fresh in the mind of so many people. I think the thing that sticks out about Rob Finnessy to me is that I think he's just a very fundamentally sound basketball player. He's maybe not the best athlete. He's maybe not the best offensive player, maybe not the best defensive player. Obviously not the biggest guy either. Not the biggest either, but he's one of those guys that just does everything kind of well. Yeah. He's, he's just an all-around, well-suited, yeah. you know, smart. basketball player. Yeah, it's the, and he's got the basketball IQ, and I think that's kind of what – Coaches and player, coaches and fans expected from him coming out of coming out of high school. I think that's what we could kind of expect from him, and I think that last night kind of showed that. I think he's going to be a guy that he's a little bit more of a true point. He's kind of a true point guard type. He's not a Yogi Ferrell who's going to go out there and try and put up twenty points a game. He's really he's really just fundamentally sound and does what he's asked. I think too, when asking the players we had after last night's game, which was Johnny Jager, Justin Smith, and Evan Fitzner about. Rob Finnessy, they all kind of, you know, basically raved and said the same thing. We've seen this in practice. Uh, I think Johnny said that he's, like, the biggest, the most well-built freshman he's ever seen, how tough he was. Uh, which is Evan, wild. Which, yeah, I mean, considering he's, he's in the same class as Romeo Langford. Right. right. He's been here a little <laughs> while. Praise. And um, I think Evan Fitzner talked about how well they worked, and uh, there was a specific play right at the end of the first half, a half-court set where Fitzner and Finnessy had an interchange, and Finnessy made the right pass, dumped was, it off to Fitzner, who made a three from the top of the key. That was a beautiful play. Right. I mean, it was one that Archie Miller kind of clapped his hands they went and the play went in motion perfectly so I think the fact that he's a freshman he's been here only a couple months he's only really seen playing time in the last two scrimmages and the only things IU's done this season but he's already earned the respect of his teammates and kind of that trust level you can see is already there which is probably the most important thing for a guy at his position too even if Green comes back and is thrown into the starting position when he gets back which I assume he probably will just by default, you think? Yes, and because of experience and things like that. Well, we haven't seen him yet this year. Maybe he has developed into better than he was the last few years. You know what I mean? People have been raving about it all offseason. Exactly. How been. So, I mean, I feel like he's going to take over the starting position once he comes back, but he's also on the shortest of leashes. Of I mean, it, a few mistakes here and there. Old Devontae comes out where it's just you know the same kind of mistakes. Boom, he's out. I mean, he's going to lose his job. And that's that's how it's gonna ha- I mean that's how it's gonna be because Fantasy is ready to go, and if Green can't quite figure it out, then he is he, he's gonna lose that spot. What do we make of? Um, I guess this probably was a Murphy only question considering he saw this in person okay. last night. What did you make of Demezzi Anderson last night? Well, first of all, Demezzi Anderson's shot is one of the <laughs> weirdest things I've ever seen. <laughs> he barely gets off the ground, and it, it's almost like a line drive beeline of a shot. But it went in. It was highly effective. Um, but, man, is it weird to watch. Now, because you look at a stat line, 14 minutes played, led the team with 14 points, 5 of 8 from the field, 4 of 7 from downtown. Right. I mean, he hit some shots. He got on fire, and I think that's something he can do. I think that was a big th- that's a big reason why he was recruited here because, you know, he's a good shooter. But I still don't know if I, we're going to see a ton of him this year. You know what I mean? I, I, I don't think – we're gonna, I don't think he's going to get major minutes like he did last night because, one, Green was out. 
Race Thompson was out. Jerome Hunter was out. Jerome Hunter was out. Who I I think Jerome Hunter's going to get a lot of minutes this year compared to the other Latest freshmen. recipient of the gold practice jersey, Jerome Hunter. Right. So, yeah. I mean, I don't know if we're going to see a ton of Anderson this year, but we did get glimpses last night of what he can do. But I also think that's not maybe sustainable for a long stretches throughout the season. Yeah, I agree. I think there's a lot of bodies in front of Demisi yeah. in terms of what he could see in the – in in the regular season, but at the same time, I mean, he was the number two player in the state of Indiana. I mean, he averaged nineteen point one points a game at South Bend Riley. He's an in-state kid. I mean, oh, he's he's he's, he's, a, he's a good player and he's a scorer. Um, I think we obviously saw some of that last night. Um, but I think that I think it's at least encouraging that you know something that Archie was sort of <laughs> I don't it definitely was not uh, high on was Indiana's <laughs> Indiana's three point shooting the other day. Right, no. Um he basically said, I expect all of our shots to come off our all basically all of our three pointers to come off of assists and it's like that basically insinuates he expects them to be wide open. Right. Um and to that I guess it's at least reassuring to some degree that you have a guy off the off the bench like Demi uh, Demise Anderson who can come in and knock down some shots. I mean that's what he uh, that's kinda what he is at least in this he's this a three and D guy. Game. He's I mean I yeah. think he's a three and D guy his entire career which which you need guys like that though. no you absolutely do i mean those guys are valuable especially in the game today where you know you're kind of shifting towards more of a outside perimeter kind of game um and a right, lot I of three got, i thought you got confused about when the game was and you're saying the game was today like what at seven in the morning but no. no you're you're giving a more existential comment exactly. on like the game today the larger scale we're on a larger scale as here. life you know, you know. Speaking of shooting, the game of life, the game of life, the game of basketball. Yeah, we're getting existential life. here. The game of risk. The spe- the sa- speaking of shooting though, uh, you know, they did not shoot very well in the first half. I think this is a, a good segue to go into this, just because they didn't shoot very well from outside in the first half. Second half, they shot a lot better, and they were actually pretty impressive at times. A lot of that was Anderson hitting his shots and getting hot. Fitzner hit some really nice shots. Has yes. a very nice stroke. That's something we can He's take. He's kind away of from the this. um the we got the antithesis, the polar opposite in terms of shot wise to right. Anderson. Well, here's the thing. You talked about that play before the half. Mm-hmm. They're running plays specifically for him. I yep. mean, that's how dangerous he can be from the outside because they've got plays drawn up for him, and that was one of them. And then another really nice shot. The other three that he hit oh, was from the corner, the corner. Had a really nice shot fake. Guy went flying. Just nailed that shot from the corner, and it was it was deep in the corner too. So I, I he those two guys showed that they could shoot. McRoberts hit a couple of threes. That was good to see. They've got some guys that can shoot. I wouldn't be too worried about the first half performance because actually they ended up shooting fifty percent from three. Uh, they went eleven for twenty two yeah, by the by end the of the time game. It out. So I, I mean I think that was also somewhat of a positive from this game. Yeah, I think McRoberts is an interesting one because I know, and I'd love to jump onto that mm-hmm. a little bit in terms of what you guys saw from his offensive game just because here's the thing. Josh McRoberts averaged 14 points and seven, <laughs> seven rebounds in high school. Like It's not like he couldn't score. I mean, right. I, have, I have a couple of friends that went to Carmel and you know, while we're in his grade and watched him play through, throughout high school, and like they said, this kid can shoot the lights out. I mean, it's not like he can't shoot. I think, and you know, I'm, I'll take that with a grain of salt. That's the insider information you can only get on the IDS basketball podcast. That is, that's that's that is that's the insider uh, content we get. That's um, the but, right there. But no, I mean, I think he's he, he's actually a guy who is capable of scoring even at the college level, and obviously there's a there's a step up there. But I, I think McRoberts is a guy who can shoot the ball, and I think it's, I don't know what the word is, encouraging that he's. You know, be looking a little more confident from the from, from the maybe whether it's three point shot or anywhere taking actually taking shots. I mean, how many times have we seen him pass up open shots? Right. 
to make another pass or something like that. And don't get me wrong, like you need guys to make that extra pass. There are times for that extra pass, but I think sometimes you have to be there's got to be a mindset of being a little bit selfish and taking the shot when you have it. And I think that, you know, to see McRoberts go out and hit some threes, I think that's uh that's a nice thing to see at least uh, in his offensive development. I think especially being a senior and being someone who He's going to be a co-captain on this year's team. Maybe you almost have to not default to him because he's obviously not any of the team's kind of primary scoring options. But there's going to come a time down the stretch of a couple games this season where someone's going to have to basically grab the bull by the horns. And I think of the people who are going to have the confidence level who have been there before and done it in the college game, he's as good a candidate as any to kind of you know go in there, whether to drive on the inside or just to pull up and take a shot. And you have to have trust with him too as well. I mean, he's earned it by this point. Right, and it only takes their offense to another level if he's willing to shoot and actually make shots because, I mean, that's just another weapon. You know, and I don't think he's going to be a guy to att- he's not going to be a guy that's going to attack the basket or actually openly look for his shot. But if he can get open, guys can drive, you know, facilitate, get some of those – Play, get the defenders off of the McRoberts in the corner or something, free him up for an open shot, he's more than capable of hitting those shots. And that's a, you know, and that's a valuable piece to have. I mean, obviously he's you know a very good defensive player, but offensively he has been taking those steps. He's getting to that point. And, that's, and that has to be promising. Um, you know, and I, you know, I think it's, it's, it's interesting to look at kind of his development from when he first got here and started playing for Crean and then now to where he's at now as a you know a senior leader for this team when he first got in and started playing actual minutes i kind of didn't even think anything of it it was it was during a time where none of the not, a lot of the guys for IU weren't playing very well he comes in you know gives them some good hustle minutes here and there and i thought that's all he was going to be but then i then we really start watching him he starts playing a little bit more you realize how valuable this guy is to this team and you know when he first started playing he wasn't looking for shots offensively at all. He would kind of hunker down. He would kind of just kind of hold the ball there. Wouldn't even look to shoot. Now he's starting to, and he's just getting better and better. And he's not only gotten better offensively since that when he first started playing, he's gotten better defensively as well. He's gotten better all around, and I think he's one of the most valuable players on this team. Yep, that's uh, I, I would agree. I think it's uh, it's an interesting season. It's an interesting uh, couple of guys. Interesting game last night for for an exhibition game anyway we're going to take a quick break here on the indiana daily student iu basketball podcast presented by tais we'll see you on the other side tis college bookstore has been outfitting generations of iu fans for over 56 years and we have the largest selection of iu apparel and gifts in bloomington start your holiday shopping with 25 percent off one regular priced apparel or gift item at iugear.com when you use promo code iubb If you're in town for the game, stop by TIS and show us your athletic ticket stub, and we'll give you 25% off one IU sportswear item. TIS College Bookstore, representing everything IU. And we're back here on the Indiana Daily Student Men's Basketball Podcast. I'm joined alongside Murphy Wheeler and Cameron Drummond. Cameron. Cameron. Droids are hard. Words are hard today. It's It's Friday. It's November 2nd. Spooky season's officially over. It's a little... It's a little wild. Don't make excuses. Anyway, <laughs> gentlemen. You just messed up. It's okay. Happens to the best of us. Hey, just got to keep on keeping on. Um, <laughs> guys, let's talk uh, Let's talk Justin Smith and Juwan Morgan. Obviously, these are two guys we expect uh, to, to be pretty uh, heavily involved in the offense, to say the least. 
um, and leadership-wise, especially in Juwan's case as a co-captain alongside Zach McRoberts. Uh, what did you guys see from them? Uh, Murphy, you want to kick it off? Yeah, I mean, last night Smith really showed his athleticism a couple times. There was an inbounds play, which Mm. everybody in the gym saw this coming because, you know, it's just that formation you have on those lob (laughs) plays under the basket. You know what's about to come. I was sending a tweet, so I did not see it coming. Of course he didn't. Of course he was on Twitter. Of course he was on Twitter. I was making content. It was, you missed an unbelievable play. I've seen the highlights of it. And actually, Jager threw the pass, I believe. Yeah. I was sitting courtside and somehow still missed the the one alley oop massive dunk of the game. And they threw the lob. They threw the lob to Smith. Someone set the screen. Um, Smith comes flying in, grabs it in the air, one handed, and just. I mean, he was pretty far from the rim when he caught it too, and he kind of just kept gliding and eventually just threw it down one handed. And that was. I mean, I think we're going to see a lot of that this year. Um, but that's not the you only. You mean like kind of set inbound plays like that? Is that what you're talking about? Well, yeah, and I mean we're going to be able to see him make plays like that all Just year. High flying moves from Justin mm-hmm. Smith. I exactly. mean we saw it last year. He was kind of that. He was le- less. He had a less carved out role. He had those good games down the stretch. Cam, we talked about those with Galen yesterday, right, uh, on the Crimson Cast podcast. But um, yeah, I, I think that Justin Smith is a guy who is gonna like obviously he's gonna be expected to pick up a bigger role this year. But I think that too he. Uh, um, I, I I think that he gives this IU team not that it's lacking for athleticism, but I think especially in the starting five with what you look at, Juwan Morgan's not the world's best athlete, and I think he and I think Justin Smith is probably the best athlete on this team. And he oh, gives yeah. you he gives you some jump, especially in the front court where in the starting lineup, and even if you throw in Deron Davis, you don't really have that much. You have I would say less athleticism than you might have in the backcourt. Well, he also had a massive block last night yeah. too, and I'm telling you, he caught the ball. He, I mean, he touched the ball, blocked the ball at the highest point possible. Without Murphy Wheeler being, is reaching for the sky in the podcast with, studio right without now without being goaltending. I mean, it was it was pretty impressive. Now, it wasn't like the greatest shot attempt in the world. The guy was falling away over Jawan Morgan, but it was like but, really cool. It made people go ooh and ah, right? Know? And it, I mean, that's another thing he can do. He can be a little bit of a rim protector, and that's the thing. Though we talk about his athleticism, we talk about all this stuff, all these cra- these crazy plays that he can have, but he's more than that now. Offensively, he's definitely more than that. He hit a three last night. He hit the first three of the game for IU. Um, it was only three of the game. So, I mean, that's something he definitely needs to develop, an outside game. That's something he said when we had media day or whatever. It was. Yeah, it was media day. When, I, when we talked to him there, he said that's a big thing he's been working on this whole offseason. Um, so if he can kind of develop that outside game, be able to shoot from outside, that is going to be very, very big for this team because I think Smith could be an animal. I, th- I mean, I think he could just be an absolute beast. And I think on both ends of the floor because I think he can guard down low and he can guard on that – perimeter he can play on on offense he can do that as well now yes he's been more of an inside guy but if he can add that outside part of his game to that repertoire I think he's even more dangerous and that's I think he could I think he's going to be the third leading scorer this year for this team I think Justin Smith to me and not to be (laughs) not to be super generalizing and projecting things but Justin Smith to me like the way his game is suited the way he plays He's not exactly the same as OG Ananobi because I think he's a better, I think he's a more polished offensive player. Right. But like, he kind of has that same feel to him in that he's really explosive on yep. both ends of the floor. He does the little things right. He's just very fundamentally sound in addition to being a great athlete. And like, 
I'm not going to say he's going to go out and be a lottery pick, but like if anyone it, on this Indiana team is going to blow up this season, it's going to be a lottery pick. Out it's of nowhere, Justin Smith. Yes. It's going to be Justin. Yeah, Smith. I agree, and I think I, I think that's probably something we can agree yeah. on. Like discounting Romeo Langford, like if someone's going to kind of have his big breakout season, it's I Justin think it's going to be Justin Smith. I agree, I, and I think that frankly, like he's the kind of athlete, he's the kind of player that can that can dominate Big Ten play, that can really put put a stressor on you. Because here's the thing. <laughs> if you have to worry about Justin Smith, and, and you do have to worry about yeah. him from the outside, I mean, he's a pretty solid three-point shooter as well, you still have to worry about Jawan Morgan and yeah. Romeo Langford. Like, the floor is going to be spread for Justin Smith to get his chances just based on the fact that those two guys are standing on the court. Right. So, like, That's one of the biggest things he has going for him is the fact that at some point opponents going to have to maybe – not necessarily pick and choose, but they're going to have to give preference to covering one guy over covering the other guy. It's going to be a little bit of one of those things is like, you know, stop the the one, uh, sort of the number one guy is going to get his points, and I think that's probably Juwan Morgan or Romeo Langford day, night in or night out. Right. You know, one of those guys is going to get their points. If you can curb kind of two out of those three, that's going to be how you beat Indiana. Yeah. I think Smith's biggest contribution could be defensively, though. Really? Because, I, I mean, I think – you put certain lineups out there because both both him and Morgan not only can they guard inside but they can guard pretty much any position. And Juwan Morgan court. is a be- I will say Juwan Morgan's a better wing defender than I think he gets credit for. Oh, he get yeah he doesn't get enough credit at all for that. I think that's a very underrated part Definitely. of his, his game. His footwork's great. Yo, absolutely, absolutely. And Did I you say I, yo, huh? No. Did you say yo. I think he said yeah, absolutely. Uh, Maybe though, I don't know. I think you've had uh, an experience. It's, it's Friday. <laughs> we're it's, we're all hurting here. But I I mean I think they can put certain lineups out there that could conceive all five guys could conceivably guard just about any position on the court. Mm-hmm. And I think Smith has to be in those lineups if they're going to do that. He has to be one of those guys. He has to be one, Morgan has to be another, McRoberts has to be in that group, and then I would say Langford does too. Now, I tell you one lineup, another another thing Ben Ladner and I were talking about during the game was we would really like to see a huge defensive lineup of Romeo at the one. You put Smith, Morgan, McRoberts, and Fitzner out there. Think how big and long that lineup would be. Could Romeo conceivably run the point guard position offensively? Yes, I think he will at some point. I think point. he yeah. can. So, I mean, that would be a really fun lineup to see. Like we didn't see line. it at all. It's like the skyline of Chicago or something out it there. It would be cool. I just That's just something. It's I mean. the skyline Smith, of Indianapolis. You could, get a really cool, you could get a really cool nickname in place from that mm-hmm. lineup. That's the only reason I actually want to see it We'll now. start thinking. We'll start trying we'll start to think the content generation. I don't know if we'll see that at all. but <laughs> Well, kind of on that point, Murphy, you were talking about how we didn't see like that huge lineup that you guys so desperately wanted last night. How do you think the millet the yeah, the millet excuse me the minutes allocation whoa that was bad how do you think the minutes allocation broke down last night because you got Langford, Finnessy, Morgan, Smith, McRoberts, Anderson, and Fitzner being the guys who got fourteen or more minutes in the game then obviously a little bit more reserve time for guys like Johnny Jager, Clifton Moore only had three minutes and we yeah. saw Deron Davis as well but since he's rehabbing back from his injury you can understand the six minutes and the way he was only utilized in really short and brief stretches but what were your thoughts on the way that Archie divvied up the time played I wasn't too surprised I, I, I Anderson played more. I thought he would, but that's just because he was he got hot. Um, yeah, maybe and a product th- of Hunter being out too, right? And those other guys not playing, I think that played a part in that as well. I mean, yeah, I mean, I wasn't surprised. I wasn't expecting Davis to play much either. I said Davis would play ten minutes. He played six, but that was probably just because he also rolled his ankle during the game mm-hmm. and went out, which I was honestly a little concerned when that happened. But apparently, it was fine. Um, but yeah, no, I wasn't surprised at all. Um, Anderson's going to see less time, but that's about it. 
Yeah, I think you mentioned the rolled ankle. That probably hurts Deron Davis's time there. But I, he was someone that I think Archie Miller, Archie said in his press conference earlier in the week, said that he expected to play like they were hoping for like twelve to fifteen minutes. But right, right. at the same time, they're kind of play. His words were, "They're play. He's going to have to play himself into shape." And uh, I mean, he did look like someone who, like, I mean, I, he is in better athletic shape now than I will ever be in my entire life. But, but he, he wasn't in shape. He was not in shape. He wasn't. I, I, I can I can back that up. Conditioning. Conditioning wise, I will never be yeah. in that good. And his shape arms look smaller. His arms look smaller, which is weird. I think that's just because you were sitting about eighty thousand rows up I'm in leaving. the sky. I'm leaving. Courtside, that one, I'm courtside leaving. basketball reporter Cameron Drummond can confirm Deron Davis is a large human being. Oh, I mean, yeah, he's a big dude, and like again, like you said, he's going to be in better condition than we're ever going to be. But he's not in college basketball playing condition right no, now. I would, I would agree, and I which think, is why Christmas is that you know target date for him to be really back. back. Well, and I think that's probably fair, realistically. I mean, if you can, he's coming off an Achilles injury. Yeah, that's, I mean that's that's, 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 that's the Achilles? kind of injury. That's the kind of injury. Achilles. Oh God! It's one of those days, gentlemen. I'll, I'll um, but no, I mean, I, professor. But but I know. I think that's like I think that's worth noting that you know an Achilles is the kind of injury that, I, and God forbid this happens to John Davis, but can be an, a career-threatening injury. And I think that um, you know it takes time to get back. And I think there's no reason to rush him back. You have as much depth. We've talked about it a hundred times. But this team has more depth than they've had in probably 15 right. years. So um, you, you, just like based on that fact, I don't think you have to rush with Deron Davis. Yeah, you want him back for the, maybe the meat of the Big Ten schedule, and when you get down the stretch. But it, realistically, like I almost wonder where he fits into this team. Because I've been he is, saying that all along. because he mm-hmm. is such a true. Center, center almost yep. he's a you know he's an old style physical mm-hmm. bash you under the bench. basketball game about a decade ago yeah he just he'd beat you from underneath but like god the way that things are going everyone needs to shoot three pointers and i just i don't know i i think that archie will find a way to work him in and i think he's a great player i mean there was a reason he was i think he was the number one player in the state of colorado he was a four-star recruit out of high school um he was a good prep star. He was a prep star to some degree, and I, I think he's a really good player, and he's been good for IU at stretches. Um, Personally, I don't think they are going to find a role for him. I really? think they're going to try, and I don't think they will. I, I, I think he's going to be a guy that loses minutes because of this depth. And, uh, you know, I, I think his role is going to slowly decline as we go along in the season. To the By point the end of where the, he becomes a non-factor, to the point where he's just a very highly specialized player. A little bit of both. I mean, I think I Mass. Guess. Matchup wise, he'll be interesting to watch because, like, right. against a Wisconsin, when you have Ethan Happ, right. I think he matches up well against Happ. Or for for as much as someone can match up well against Ethan right. Happ, he matches up well against Ethan Happ. But then you get into the the discussion of whether is Davis a better option to guard someone like Happ than Jawan Morgan is? Because I mean, I think uh, Morgan could do just as good of a uh, job. Morgan played good defense on him. I know he had one. I think it was last year's game. He had one big block on Ethan Happ. And right. He, um, people went nuts, but uh, yeah, no, I think that's an interesting point. But I think that there are some true big men in the Big Ten that I, yeah. I think that he will be helpful, uh, helpful with. Um, there are not any true big men on Chicago State. I can I can confirm that I, right now for everybody. Chicago State's like my eighth priority <laughs> with this team. <laughs> Absolutely. Right now. Like yes, they're gonna play that game and it's gonna happen, but it's gonna be completely inconsequential. Um, Chicago State's athletic department could disband by the time the. Game starts. Yeah, bring in Mark <laughs> Titus. <laughs> they do have a um, they have a six ten center named Noah. I can't pronounce his name. Noah Bigoramwami. 
from That's Santa Clarita, real. California. You just put letters together. <laughs> don't, right don't hurt yourself over there. Basically, half the Chicago State team is from like California, Louisville, Minneapolis, and then half of it is just straight from the Chicagoland area, like Gary, Indiana, Rockford, Illinois, Wheeling, Illinois. Um, bunch of guys obviously what? from the city of Chicago. The whole the whole thing you just said right there didn't make a lot of it's sense. It's fine. We don't do a lot of math here. We're uh, we're journalism guys. It's a lot all of, good. Lot Big of Half the team is from Los Angeles, Louisville, and Minneapolis, and then you name like, like seven other places. Well, no, I said then the other half from like the Chicago land area. That's uh, fair. I get what you're saying. A lot of previous know. schools on this team. We had someone who used to play at Kentucky State. Uh, someone used to play at Malcolm X College. Uh, someone used to play at Kanakak. Kankakee Community College. It's in Florida. Um, Senior-laden team. A lot of seniors on the Chicago State team. They also went 3-25 and last year. They were also bad last year. I think we can't (laughs) stress that enough. This this game on Tuesday will be the first game for new Chicago State coach Lance Irving, though, after whoever was used to coach Chicago State last year lost his job. That poor guy. He stepped into a (laughs) terrible job. I mean, is, it, is the Chicago State basketball job worse than the Rutgers football job? Mm, nothing's worse than the Rutgers football job. <laughs> I, I just, you have I to just live thought, in Piscataway. I would throw it. Yeah, that's fair. Um, but no, I, I think let's talk a little bit about the early season. I think we got to it a little bit on the last podcast. But um, let, let, what are you guys kind of looking for, at least in the early going? Obviously, the games against Chicago State and Montana State aren't going to be much. But then you have Arkansas right off the bat. You have Marquette and Bloomington. And then you get into the. Duke and Louisville and all of that. You just have to use that Chicago State and Montana State games to the best of your ability to work out any kinks, to work out any kind of um, fundamental problems, any kind of you know technical problems, because you can, especially the Chicago State game, not to rag on Chicago State too much as I continue to do that, but that's the game where you can experiment and try so many things. That's the one where like, all right, you want to hold the ball for the final 30 seconds of the first half to run a very specific end of half play. Sure, go ahead. It's not going to affect the outcome of the game. You want to put in the weird lineup with you know all long guys. You want to go small ball for five minutes. You want to go your all your tall guys for five minutes. You can do whatever you want in that game because it's not going to matter because Indiana's going to win by forty anyway. Right. No, I mean that's what these games are for. Right. You know to learn things about yourself. I mean, some are like you can't take necessarily those liberties in the game against Texas Arlington or California no. Davis later in the right. season. But Texas Arlington will be an interesting game. The moving Mavericks. Texas Arlington's not a bad. Mid-major team. They were close to the NCAA tournament last year. They not lost in their I, I did a high school journalism competition once at the University of Texas Arlington campus, and my dad and I got Taco Bell right before, and I had to print out my paper right as it was due for the competition. I had to bring my own printer from home. So I'm walking, like 18-year-old Cameron Drummond is walking across the Texas Arlington campus holding a printer from I my feel home. Like I, can, I can picture this perfectly. Oh, yeah. No, I, I could definitely picture this. I feel like you... <laughs> Made that a lot harder for yourself. Well, they didn't have a printer on site, so I had to. Really. I had to bring my own. It was like bring your child to work day, but I BYOP. Bring your own printer. BYOP. Anyway, Chicago State, Montana State, Murphy. What do you got? I mean, I mean, Cameron pretty much laid it out pretty. I mean, you think Southern Indiana was a better? I literally think Southern Indiana is better than Chicago State, and maybe better than Montana State. I don't think you're the only person. Right. So I mean, I think they learn just as much from last night's game as they will these next two games, if not less, you know, or they will learn less from the Chicago State game. Um, but, again, like you said, it's very good to have these games early on, work out some of those things that they need to work on because there are a few things that they still need to develop a little bit. And, you know, I think they can definitely do that these games. And you saw it. It only took them a half to work out a lot of those things last night. So, I, you know, I mean, they fixed a lot of things in the second half that they struggled with in the first half. So I, I think that – I think these games could do that 
just fine for this team. I will say, too, I think it's at least a chance for Archie Miller to experiment with some lineups. I mean, we've talked about it, but I, I think that, like, because— Especially if guys are still hurt, too. Right. I mean, I think mm-hmm. if it, it gives—first of all, it buys them some time to get some guys healthy. But at the same time, you can mess with some lineups. You can see where guys fit in, and I think it gives him a chance to sort of sort out those combinations that he's going to want in those games against uh, an Arkansas, Marquette, a Butler— um, Real quick, pivoting to uh, something I just saw on Twitter right now. Last night, it looks like, or yesterday at some point on Thursday, Dan Dockich wrote out his IU basketball season prediction. He says they'll go 25-6 and six overall Woo. with a 15-5 and five conference record with the, the the big like non-conference Holy loss. Or the, the only so non-conference the non- loss actually being at Duke. Holy cow, that's... Ambitious, you guys think? That's what I, I. That was actually pretty much what my prediction was yesterday. Twenty-five and six. I mean, Not necessarily twenty-five and six, but I said that the only game they were going to lose out of those four right. at Butler, uh, Butler, Louisville, Marquette, uh, Duke, and Louisville. Duke, Duke and Louisville was the Duke game. Really? I think they go four and one in that stretch. I mean, they could very well do it. I mean, I think three and two is realistic. I think four and one's a little bit optimistic, but I really think this team's going to be good. I, I, I don't know. I mean, we can get into a little bit more general meta stuff here, but um, I, I think that. I, I don't know. I really the way this team's constructed on paper, the way they not necessarily looked last night, but the way they the, the way they played in spurts last night is really encouraging to me. And like I really think this team's gonna be one of the top three teams in the Big Ten. I think they're the second best team in the Big Ten. Right I now. agree. I think we should read a lot into Purdue only beating Marion by nineteen points and say that that's a reason why Purdue will not be good this year. I mean, I think and that Indiana won by like thirty. I'm not so going to read. Indiana's gonna go undefeated this season. <laughs> And there will be several banners raised because of this 30-point victory against the Screaming Eagles of Southern Indiana. Well, we, we can only hope. What what happens if they win by, like, 18 against the Chicago State Cougars? Fire everyone. Yeah, that's probably... <laughs> Clean house. <laughs> Clean house. Yeah. I, I, Cancel I, your season tickets, man. It's over. <laughs> I will say, I mean, to the to the Big Ten, I think that the Big Ten is going to be down this year. I mean, the Big Ten's always generally pretty solid, but I think for what it's been the last couple of years, I think it's going to be down. I It'll think be Mich- down in I think, I think Michigan State's... I think Michigan State's kind of the lone front-runner national champion pick, and you can never count out a Tom Izzo team. Um, Murphy, I think, that's something that people say when, like, their kid's playing in a really bad soccer league and they just don't want to tell their kid their team's bad. Well, you guys were competitive. No, yeah. I mean, I think they're good. I think it would be competitive with... <laughs> In the conference, I think everybody's going to be right, fairly think, close. No, I agree, but I think that like when you look on the grand like national schedule, I think national uh, national landscape rather. Right, we um, look like the. I mean, you're very high on the SEC this year, so I am high on the SEC. Good. Yeah, the SEC is good. I, I think the SEC is going to be really good. It just means more. <laughs> the heartbeat, the heartbeat of the South. Tom Crean's Georgia team started off, I think, with an exhibition win over West Georgia on Thursday night. <laughs> dogs football so. that's ba- that's basketball school <laughs> um no but i think i think that the big 10 i think michigan state's the real one clear-cut national tam- champion type front runner i think that indiana i think michigan fall in a similar category of being sort of top 20 top 15 teams um i mean michigan loses a lot from last year but you can't count out a team with charles matthews and you can't count out a team with john beeline just because that team seemingly finds a way to win no matter whether they're good or bad or Mediocre, um, and I think that I think Wisconsin will be better. Ethan Happ's a senior; he's here for his like 18th year of eligibility. Correct. Um, <laughs> he uh, kid's been here a while. Yeah, a long time. <laughs> Some PTSD for IU fans. Um, but I I think the Big Ten just generally top to bottom I think isn't as good. I think Minnesota maybe might be better. I think Richard Pitino's probably coaching for his job. They're this probably year. not going to have the tremendous cratering that they had after a hot start last year. I, I would think agree. They'll be able, just because you can't crater that bad. Again. I would agree, but I think I think also like Ohio State's going to come back down to earth. I think that uh, Holtman, Chris Holtman, had a great year in his first year, but I don't think Ohio State's got. They they lost some some pretty serious pieces from last year's team. I think they're going to be down. Um, 
so I think I, I think that this Big Ten to some extent is wide open outside of Michigan State. I think that, and even Michigan State lost some big lost some big time guys, lost some guys into the lottery. I mean, this is a you lose anytime you lose a guy like Jaron Jackson, that's a big deal. Um, it, this is it's a wide open Big Ten. It really is, and I, I think that Indiana stands to benefit, and I think Indiana. It, not necessarily just because we we cover this team and obviously know know kind of the ins and outs just ins and outs of this this program. I think that I I really do think that Indiana top to bottom has the most. I think they have might have the highest ceiling out of any team in the Big Ten this year, because I think just because of, based on the fact of how many unknowns there are. Um, Obviously, Romeo Langford's probably going to be a lot. It also leaves open the possibility for like things to the bottom to fall out too. Right, which is entirely possible. But I think that Romeo Langford is a, is going to be a lottery pick, if not top ten or top five pick. I think that Juwan Morgan's going to be a is going to get drafted next year. I think he's going to be an All Big Ten caliber type player again. Um, I really do think that this is going to be a team that has the potential. So Justin Smith is, I, I I think, has a chance to be a lottery pick if he has his kind of breakout that we we all kind of think could happen. Um, I I think this team, the way it's structured has the talent to make a run to win the Big Ten. It's just a matter of, you know, putting it all together. And that's that's the magic puzzle that Archie Miller has to find out and us to write about. Ladies and gentlemen, it's been a pleasure. Indiana opens the season against Chicago State November 6th. For real. It's a real game. It's happening. People, basketball is back here in Bloomington. Uh, ben will join us for that game. I, I think. will be there. I will be there um, after my, my charitable contributions this weekend. Uh that's all we've got for you guys today. Uh, I'm Ben Portnoy alongside Cameron Drummond and Murphy Wheeler. Thanks for tuning in to the Indiana Basketball IDS podcast presented by TIS Bookstore. We'll see you soon.